listening to Miscarriage Stories with Arden Cartrett. Arizona, welcome to Miscarriage Stories. I invite you to start your story wherever you feel like it begins. Um, okay, now this is the one part that I've had trouble with <laughs> where I wanted to start the story at. It's always um, hard to start the story. I don't even know where I think I start my story differently every time I share it. <laughs> Yeah, well, because it's like, well, do you start like way back when that kind of like leads up to more moments that are more current? Or do you just start off with, you know, the big wabam like, oh, this is why I'm here. So let's just start from the beginning of that story. If that makes sense. How about we start with you and your partner, uh, like maybe where you live or not exactly. Obviously, we don't need a street address. <laughs> Um, or how you met or anything like at, at the starting point of before you guys grew your family. All right. Well, um, my family is a mixed family. So my husband in a previous relationship had two girls and I was in a previous relationship and I had a son at the age of 19. Uh, talk about a scary moment. Um, sure. <laughs> we met back in 2021. So this was like a fairly quick thing that happened for us. Um it was just because he popped up on Facebook and he asked me, he was like, so how's your Thanksgiving? And I'm like, I don't even know you. <laughs> like, Clearly you saw me somewhere and you thought that I was cute, but you know what? We're going to, we're going to see what's going on here. Um, we had a mutual friend. We didn't make the connection as to who it was until we started talking. Um, we found out that he actually graduated with my older brother back in 2013. And that was the connection that we had. And um, the more we talked, the more he was like, man, I'm really mad at your brother. He never told me he had such a cute sister. And I was like, okay, listen. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. That's really sweet. <laughs> um, so we we got together and we got married four months, actually, after we started dating. Um, and then, of course, after you get married, the one thing that all couples love to do is go home and, you know, celebrate like adults. <laughs> um, and a few weeks later, I found out that we were pregnant with our... Now, one-year-old son, Axton, he's a ham. Um, that pregnancy, for the most part, was actually pretty good. I only had one scare, and that was at my anatomy scan. His heartbeat was irregular and completely freaked me out. They were like, oh, well, you need to go and um, see this cardiologist and make sure that everything's okay. Sometimes it fixes itself. Sometimes they need surgery. So I had to wait a month before that appointment, and I was so scared as to what was going on just from that point um luckily obviously it fixed itself he just decided to give his mom a little jump scare before he came um he's a winter solstice baby so four days before christmas um so i was working at a daycare when i was pregnant with him for like the the end of my pregnancy i was working with children so my life just it's surrounded by kids i love kids i've always loved kids i've always wanted to have kids like everything kids i love it um, so after I had Axton, um, <laughs> I was waiting for my six week post-op appointment and my boss, because I had just came back from leave, told me I wasn't allowed to go. So I had to reschedule my post-op appointment. 
that I had made two months prior and she knew of. So I started joking around with my husband. I was like, well, how funny would it be if I go back to the doctors to go back on my birth control to find out I'm pregnant again? So I ended up going, um, you know, you have to obviously do your little, you got to pee in the cup and all of that stuff just to make sure I can go back on my birth control. Um, left the appointment. I actually had a dentist appointment the same day. And as I was coming back home from the dentist appointment, so only a few hours later, they called me and they're like, um, so like it was positive, but then negative, but then positive again. So you're going to have to go get some blood work done. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, how does that make any sense? Um, so there was three, three days pretty consecutively that I had to go get my blood drawn because at first my HCG levels were only at 48. So they couldn't tell if it was just because I had just given birth a couple months previous or if there was a new pregnancy. So after the second bl blood draw, it was pretty clear that I was pregnant again. But we went and did another blood draw just to make sure. Um, I was super nervous about it. I was like, I just had a baby. I my Both of my sons are, they're four years apart. So my oldest is five and then Axon's one. And then my stepdaughters are seven and eight. And I met them when they were five and six. So I wasn't used to that super close gap. I was all, wait until they're out of diapers before there's more. Because quite frankly, I'm not changing two different butts. Not doing it. Um, So I was super nervous, but I was also super excited after the first couple of days like the after the initial shock happened i was like oh we're having another one like th this is fantastic like i'll have two kids with the same man like we're growing this this family and i'll have three full-time kids and that's been like my end goal i always wanted to have three kids i didn't realize i was gonna have that as soon as i met my husband i never thought like stepkids was gonna be part of my picture until it happened so I couldn't get over the fact that I still wanted to have another one. Um, <laughs> so on our one-year wedding anniversary was my first ultrasound of the baby. And leading up to this point, I'm like getting super stoked. I'm over here having like vivid dreams that it's a girl. Like I'm getting super excited that I'm finally about to have my biological daughter. And I like, I just, mm, so excited. Um, everything was good. Uh, I was eight weeks and six days during that appointment but the baby was only measuring seven weeks and three days so they weren't concerned because we still heard a very strong heartbeat but that kind of threw me off a little bit only because with my other two pregnancies they're right on schedule or further ahead um and then they also told me that i had the subacronic hemorrhage whatever the heck you call it because i had hemorrhaged after i had my last son and it didn't clear up all the way so they told me if i had some bleeding that everything should be normal. It's just that loose, that tissue getting loose finally. So of course it was our one year anniversary. So we had to go and celebrate it finally a night without kids. It was so great. Um, the next morning I felt off and I couldn't tell because I'm not going to lie. I did have a couple of drinks with my husband. Um, so I didn't know if I was just feeling a little off because I had a little bit of alcohol the night before or like what was going on or if morning sickness wanted to randomly happen for me at nine weeks. Um, so I was kind of like, okay, well, maybe that's just another sign that it's going to be a girl. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I got a name picked out. I was ready to go. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I believe it was April 18th is when the spotting started. So I was like, okay, this is this is hardly anything. Like, I'm not going to worry. They told me this was going to happen. Everything's all good. Um, so I was just wearing a pad for a little bit, making sure that, you know, whatever happened 
wasn't gonna make a mess um the following day i had still a little bit of spotting but it eventually stopped um but i was still kind of feeling like i was still feeling off like there was something that didn't sit right with me um and then april 20th at 6 p.m i was sitting on the couch and i looked at my husband i was like I feel like I really got to pee or like something like this is weird. So I ran upstairs. And as soon as I ran upstairs, I hear a plop in the toilet. And right at that moment, I knew what was happening. And the first thing I did, I texted my mom. I was like, mom, I think I'm having a miscarriage. And she called me. And she was like, well, why do you think that? And I was like, mom, I'm bleeding. And I sat on the toilet for like two seconds and I heard a huge plop in the toilet. Like I know that nothing else happened here. Um, so I start crying. My husband comes upstairs and he asks if I'm okay. And I was like, honey, I'm losing the baby. Like we, we're going to have to go to the emergency room. Like I'm talking to my mom, asking her, what am I supposed to do next? Cause it's like, what you don't know what to do at that point. Like, do you just sit at home? Do you have to go see someone? Um, so I told him after my mom had said, you should go to the emergency room. They need to make sure that, you know, you had the miscarriage and everything came out. And I was like, Oh, okay this is kind of bizarre I was in that mindset of I had two healthy kids two healthy pregnancies that's not gonna happen to me like this is gonna be third time around usually third time's a charm and apparently for me it was the complete opposite um so he called my best friend to come over and sit with the boys so that way my husband could go take me to the hospital she lives 20 minutes away and I kid you not she was here in like 10 minutes like she zoomed over to my house real fast and I came down the stairs. We just kind of like looked at each other and like a tear goes down my face and I gave her a hug and we left. At this point, I started getting really uncomfortable. That's when uh, I guess more or less the contractions really started to kick in and I, I could not get comfortable for the life of me. I'm over here. I'm just profusely bleeding in my husband's car and I felt so bad. And um, by the time we get there, I walk up to him. I was like, well, Maybe if they know that I'm leading like this and this is happening, maybe this will be quicker. There wasn't a whole lot of people in the waiting room. So I go up and I told him, I was like, hey, I'm actively miscarrying right now. And, you know, did all that sign and stuff. We got everything that we needed to. And I sat there for probably all like 30 minutes. And I went to the bathroom like two or three times trying to change my pads quickly enough. And I could not. I'm just bleeding out everywhere thank god for black leggings at this point in time um then they ended up doing my blood work and they took me to the ultrasound room and as soon as i got ready to go up on the table for the ultrasound there's just blood everywhere all over the floor everywhere and i'm one of those i have to crack jokes otherwise i'm gonna cry and it's really hard for me to cry in front of myself let alone people i don't know um so I was like, yep, this is kind of weird because you're going to tell me that there's a, there's no baby in there, huh? And I'm just kind of like sitting there trying to like hold my breath and like keep it together. And I don't know if she's gone through it or she's just been around women who've gone through it because she kind of handled it better than I expected. She was, she was quiet and it kind of, without speaking, there was some sort of like a connection that I could feel with the nurse that was doing my ultrasound. But she did end up telling me, she was like, yeah, there's there's no baby, but there's definitely still tissue. And I was like, okay, sounds good. This is this is great. What happens now? I have no idea what's going on. I'm just doing it step by step because nobody tells you any part of this procedure until it's time to actually start talking about it. 
Um, so they wheeled me out to the waiting room so that way we could wait for radiology to, you know, go through the scans and double check that everything except for the, the tissue is good. I could you not, we were sitting out there for like four or five hours and I'm in a wheelchair at this point because I could not get up without just gushes of blood everywhere. So I'm bleeding all over this wheelchair in the middle of the waiting room, trying not to cry. So that way these strangers aren't looking at me like I'm crazy. Um, and by the time they actually took me back, they put me in this room that looked like a freaking closet. It was tiny. It was in a back corner. And I was like, this is like the weirdest thing ever. I was like, I'm literally just sitting back here for them to tell me that I miscarried. Like, what is the what is the point of me sitting back here at this point? Um, they came in. I joked around with a couple of the nurses that came in just because I could tell that they were uncomfortable. I was getting uncomfortable. It's like one o'clock in the morning. I just I was ready to not be there anymore. And they didn't even give me an option between the pill or a DNC. They just handed me a pill. They were like, this should help you stop bleeding for a little bit go ahead and take this and then you're gonna have to have a follow-up with your ob so i take it nobody told me it tastes like freaking paper that was disgusting it was so gross um so luckily i was able to go home and i was able to sleep without worrying about bleeding everywhere thank god but as soon as i woke up it starts back up again mind you while i'm at the hospital and it's like one two o'clock in the morning my five-year-old son is still awake who was four at the time and he knew that something was wrong because he was telling my friend, like, I don't want to go to sleep until mommy comes back home. Like, I want to know what's going on with mommy. And it was like the sweetest little thing. But um, so the next day when I woke up bleeding like crazy, cramping like crazy, just not having a good time. Um, my follow up appointment was nine days late. No, eight days later. They made me wait eight days during all of this crazy nonsense um by the time I finally went up there they looked around and I'm sitting there I'm like I can already tell that I'm gonna need a DNC like I don't <laughs> why are we doing all these extra steps just let me take, just let me have the DNC at this point I want it to be over I'm uncomfortable I hate bleeding like this I'm one of those I only bleed four days it's not super heavy and I don't cramp or anything so this was like a whole new world and all I can remember saying to my husband during this was I wish I was actually like giving birth to a full-term baby because it did not feel that horrendous it was insane um so she told me that there was still some loose tissue um she was like well do you want to take the pill again or do you want to just do a dnc so i thought about it for a minute just because you know i don't know anything about either of these these things i have no idea what's going on so i even asked her i was like well what would you do she was like honestly i would do the dnc just because it's traumatic sitting there and just bleeding and bleeding and bleeding and you don't know how long it's going to be and i was like you know you're not wrong. I'm so sick and tired of bleeding right now. Can we please just go ahead and get that out? Um, so she scheduled it for the next morning at seven in the morning. So I had to be there at six. So I come home. I tell my husband, I was like, hey, I got to go get this DNC done. Sorry you have all of the kids right now, but like I got to go and I'm probably going to lay in bed for the rest of the day. He was like, all right, that's fine. My mom takes me up and they asked me right beforehand. I'm, I'm not even awake yet. Like, it, I'm not even, like, mentally prepared for what's going on right now, let alone for them to start asking me even more questions. They asked me if I wanted a death certificate and if they wanted me to keep the tissue so that way I could get it cremated. Now, me thinking to myself, oh, well, I lost this baby around 9, 10 weeks, like a week before I was going to get the blood work to find out the gender, if I want a death certificate? It, 
it made me feel silly wanting to answer yes to those questions. Just you never, you never hear it. So I, I told them no at first and I signed off on, on the paperwork and then they took me for the DNC. I came back, um, my mom and I, we ended up going to the, the drugstore just to go ahead and pick up my pain meds and some comfort foods and stuff. So that way, when I came home, I had something to hydrate myself with. And while we were at the drugstore, I looked at my mom and I just started bawling. And she was like, well, what's going on? And I was like, mom, I felt really stupid answering yes to those questions. But like, I, I really do want a death certificate. And I really do want that tissue, even if it's not the baby anymore, because I still want to get it cremated and still have a part of that baby i just i felt so silly because it's like it was hardly it was just a little tiny thing and i just i don't know i guess it felt wrong saying yes to that considering you know there's people who've had their stillbirths and babies who've passed away from sids and i just thought that i was crazy for for wanting something for something that i only knew of for just shy of a month so my mom quickly pulls out her phone. She's calling the hospital real quick. She was like, oh my gosh, you guys still have this? Like she changed her mind. She wants to She wants to keep all this. She wants the death certificate. And they were like, as long as she comes back in and she re-signs that form, we can make sure that pathology and all of that, they don't get rid of it. So we're like rushing to get back to the hospital. My, uh, my doctor, she was so nice. <laughs> she was so nice dealing with me. Um, she came back out with the form. So I was able to sign it. And she was like, well, do you have a funeral home? And I was like, well, ironically, I live right by one. I was like, I'll just use them. Sounds like a plan. Nicest person in the world. That man from the funeral home, love him to death. Um, so I'm super excited that I was able to do all that. I came back home and although I wanted to sleep all day, my brain wouldn't let me whatsoever. I'm over here scrolling. I was like, you know what? I want an urn necklace. Like I got to find the perfect one. And so I'm like scrolling for hours, looking for the right one. And I see all of these beautiful necklaces and I'm like, okay, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. And I'm like, oh no, keep going, keep going. And I eventually actually found it and I kept going back to it. So that's how I knew it was it. And here I'll even show you since we're on video. So it has little footprints on it and stuff. And on the back of it, it says forever my angel. And then the day that I had the miscarriage on it. Um, so funeral guy, bless his heart. This poor man had to deal with so much just for this to happen for me. I gave him a call one day and I was like, hey, by chance, could you cremate some tissue from a pregnancy that is no longer happening? And he was like, well, of course we can do that. And I was like, okay, sweet. So, you know, we're giving each other all, all the information. And he was like, look, I know this is probably a really hard time for you. I don't want you to worry about anything. I'll contact the hospital and we'll sort it out for you. I'll just let you know when the baby's back home. I was like, man, oh, that's freaking phenomenal. But of course, a couple weeks go by, still nothing from the hospital. Somehow they had misplaced my my form that I, I, I had signed and they couldn't find it for them to release the remains. So I was like, well, this is some crap. So I'm calling them around and stuff. I was like, what paperwork do we need? What do I need to get done? Because I, you're dragging this on longer than I can mentally handle right now. Um, so it took in total a month from the time of my DNC until the baby was back home, let alone cremated. Um and the man even asked me if I wanted to name the baby or if I just wanted to leave it as baby since I didn't know the gender. And I looked at him and I was like, trust me, 
a mama knows that was about to be my daughter right there. And of course I have a name picked out and it's like the cheesiest name ever, but I love it. I named my baby Angel Cloud. Just that way I had a little, a little something. I always look at the clouds for signs like that. And I always look for when there's that ray of sunshine behind the cloud. And so I was like, okay, well, cloud's got to be, it's got to be in the name. And you know what? You are literally my angel now. So that just, it made sense to me. Um, it's still hard saying the name out loud just because it, it feels weird since it's not something that you say every day. Um, so I actually got to go and witness the cremation as well which I thought was going to be really challenging, but it was really relieving, to be honest with you. Like with miscarriage, obviously there's no closure to it. And so I did everything I could think of to get some sort of closure. Cause I never had like the mindset of, oh my gosh, this is my fault. I kind of went into it knowing that, you know, it happens for a reason. And I do have a history of PCOS. So I knew that I had infertility as well to a certain extent. Um, up until the last couple of months anyway, then my mindset started changing. But for the probably the first four months of the miscarriage, it was like a, it just wasn't the right time. It wasn't meant to be just yet. Like, it's okay. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dwell on this right now because it's difficult to dwell on that thing when I have four other kids and I'm go, go, go. And I'm a full-time working mom too. And it's just, there's never a time to just stop and breathe in my life for the most part with how young our kids are. Um, my due date was actually last month, just before Thanksgiving. I took that day off and I'm really glad that I took that day off just because even the night before it started hitting me so hard. I sat on the stairs. I couldn't even sit by my husband because of how hard it was hitting me. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just want another thing. I'm this happen and you know the hysterical crying the ugly crying the oh my gosh what did I do wrong and so me being me I'm just replaying how everything happened and I was like well logically it probably was the subacromic hemorrhage and I know that there's been a few different women on your podcast who have even said that they had that with their miscarriage and I was like maybe that was actually it but then there was that little devil in the back of my head that was like you know you did drink the night before though and then the following day you fell off so your baby probably died the day after your one-year anniversary and I just I just started sitting in that feeling and I was like "Ooh, it's like did I really do that though did I do that to my own to my own baby and I was like no so it's been tug of war ever since that moment and all of November I actually listened to all of your episodes that's all I did at work was I had my earbud in and every single day I was every single episode took me a month to get through all of it but we got there and we even restarted in December <laughs> I mean I'm like over here taking notes and stuff um finally got inspired to start writing my own book and I've started buying the books that you can find just because I wanted to see like how everybody else was wording their experience to like figure out how to even start mine rather than just here's all the facts there you go Merry Christmas but like how to like really get into detail about it. So I'm like super excited because I got some of those books and stuff for Christmas. So I'm like, can't wait. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my story. <laughs> I think that um, 
writing about loss, I've always been somebody who writes whenever I'm struggling. I don't really write through like happy points in my life. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if there's people who are, it's the opposite. They write about happy things, but um, you know, that's always been something that's really comforting to me. So I've always loved any books that mentioned miscarriage or something that just made me feel like I'm not alone. I think that there's so much to be said about that and you can never have too many stories, too many perspectives, too many people opening up. So I think it's a, a beautiful thing that you're writing about it. And whenever, if you're ever ready to share that, I will always update this that way people can find it because <laughs> I know that they're going to be asking. Um, there are things that I want to circle back to that you mentioned. I took notes. Um, <laughs> one thing that strikes like whenever you're sharing your story is the reality of the trauma of loss and how loss doesn't happen, you know, on a certain timeline, it doesn't happen really fast for everybody. For some people, it happens so fast that they can't process it. For other people, it takes weeks, months to get through. And that is such a difficult part of this because I think that sometimes we, we do rely on TV or movies and you just see blood and then they're like, okay, I can get pregnant again. And it's not that simple. It's a lot of bleeding and sometimes medications don't completely work on their own. Sometimes we aren't properly educated on our options. You know, it's, there's so many aspects to this. And the fact that you took the Cytotech and then nine days later was your follow-up is so insane to me. But unfortunately, I also see that quite a bit to where I usually push people like whenever I'm talking to them in one-on-ones and stuff I'm like no in a, a few days after you're done bleeding go and see like the progress of this because it shouldn't take nine days to have a miscarriage I I, yeah, I was gonna say I never stopped bleeding during that yeah. point the only time I stopped bleeding was after my DNC it's it was miserable. it was ridiculous yeah, no, I never thought miserable. I was gonna take that long I was like okay here we it go yeah, no, I it's going to be a heavy period because <laughs> that's what they tell you, right? That's that's what they tell you to expect. Um, one thing I also wanted to mention or ask, where are you like, what state are you in that they offered a death certificate? Because that's amazing that they offered that, but that's not a common occurrence. And so I'm so curious. So I'm in Ohio and this that's is something that they've passed recently over the last couple of years. That is within any part of your gestation, you're able to get all of those things now rather than 20 or higher. Wow. I did not know that. Thank you for sharing. Because I think that that's something um, like sometimes I even encourage people to kind of like create their own foreclosure of, you know, going on Canva and creating a death certificate because it, it's nice to have something tangible. Um, so it's nice to know that I'm going to make sure to look that up because um, I think some states do do that but it's very few um and I love the funeral home guy just like taking care of everything because that's such a difficult part of it and what a you know what a job where you know I've experienced other deaths and I felt like they were really desensitized to death and so whenever I hear of people's experiences where they're not desensitized at all and they're so empathetic it's nice to know that that exists he was the sweetest man during this whole process. Like, I kid you not. I loved that. Love that man. Yeah. He literally took care of everything. And anytime he had to call me about some sort of an issue that only I could resolve, he would start the conversation with, I am so sorry to bother you with this. Like, I know that this is, this is painful and that I don't want to keep putting you through this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Like, I'm, 
I handled the miscarriage extremely well up until September. So what, like five, six months after I had the miscarriage, I handled it fine besides my first period, which was not expecting that to be the most triggering thing I have ever felt in my entire life. Yeah. Um, but I thought that I kind of was one of those people that I was like, man, I'm not reacting like most women right now. Like I, I'm okay right now. Like this is, this is weird. And I've joined like Facebook groups and stuff. And I've even posted, I was like, why am I not crying anymore? Like, why does this, why does the thought of this happening to me not pain me like it would for any other woman? And it was just, it was eating me alive. Like I started to feel guilty because I wasn't in as much pain as I expected myself to be because of other people's story. So that one was, um, that was the challenging that's feeling hard. to go through. Yeah, it was not, it was not fun because I was done crying by, honestly, before I even got the baby's ashes back. Well, and I think there's a lot of factors to it. And as somebody who talks to people on a daily basis about loss, everybody handles it differently. And there are people who will openly say to me, like, I struggle to feel the emotions of things that I'm going through, whether they've had other events in their life that has just kind of like numbed them to trauma and pain and grief. Um, or if it's something that you aren't processing in real time, kind of like you're, you're experiencing, um, it's delayed grief. That's an actual type of grief that we experience and we don't get to control if it's delayed or not. And, you know, also grieving people don't just cry. Grieving people, like you mentioned that you're, you know, you like to joke around and have like a dark sense of humor about things. And I, I do that all the time. And my audience of my family is not, uh, they're not like that. So I always am met with like very uncomfortable silence. Um, but, you know, I think that there are just, there are different faces to grief. And I think that you not crying or you not feeling quote unquote sad every day, day in and out doesn't mean that you're not sad about your loss. It doesn't mean that you don't, you know, you're not sad that on your due date, you didn't walk home with a baby or well drive home, but you understand what I mean. And, um, <laughs> you know, none of that means that you didn't care. And I think that like the outside world doesn't understand that. And so then we feel kind of guilty if we don't show emotion like everybody else. Um, and we, yeah. I always tell people we can't compare to other people's losses. And it's really so true. Like it, I love that you, your mom called and was like, Hey, we changed our mind. We want the death certificate. We want, you know, the remains um, because it is something where when that's offered to us, we feel judged if we say yes, even though it's offered to us for a reason. You know, we feel mm -hmm. judged if we ask those questions because on paper we're like, well, we were quote unquote only nine weeks, but that's, that. I, I say there's no only and just, you know, this is how we feel and how we want to remember our baby and there's no right or there's no wrong. I have people who do burials at home and they're embarrassed to say that out loud. And I'm like, but that's the reality of some of these situations. Um, so I, I love that I love that you went back and and were like, hey, never mind. I changed my mind. I love that you stuck up for yourself. Yeah, I straight up looked at her and I was like, look, one, you asked me when I was hardly even awake. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's not a good time to bring that up. Like that should have been I feel like somebody should have warned you that those questions were gonna be asked because that's not the time to make decisions. Oh my goodness, you are not wrong. Like you're already freaking out because you have to get this procedure done. 
Yeah. And it's not the time. You're still like in the midst of everything still happening. And then you're going to ask me if I want a death certificate. Like, I didn't even get a birth certificate, but I'm going to get a death certificate. And it, I don't know, it blew my mind, but I felt like I was going to get judged by saying yes originally. But by yeah. the time I went back, I looked at her, I was like, look, I'm so sorry that I'm making you run around right now. But I just felt like everyone around me was going to look at me silly for saying yes to both of those questions. But I really want this because this is the only kind of closure that you can, that you can really, you can really get out of it. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. I completely That's agree. That's the one thing that I can't stand about miscare. It's just, there's no closure. It, no drives, closure. it drives me mad. But, you know, in, as somebody who studies like death and grief and all of that stuff, I have come to learn that in most deaths, there is not closure. And with our grief, oftentimes there isn't closure. And we just, we have this idea that closure exists. We just have to find it but it doesn't always exist. And sometimes it cannot be found and coping with that is, you know, that is really difficult. And so we do have to find our own closure in different ways. Um, and man, it sucks. It really sucks. And you talked about the misplaced form. I cannot tell you how many times I hear that story where forms are misplaced and it's like, these are very important forms. They I have your signature on them. I'm glad that they found I, I mean, I've heard I've heard terrible stories about misplaced forms, misplaced remains, um, and it just makes you wonder, like, why are we not a little bit more careful? Um, I love the name Angel Cloud. I think that names for babies that we've lost, you know, to miscarriage, I love the uniqueness of them because they always mean something to the people that are naming the baby. Um, like you mentioned that you always look to the clouds, that clouds are kind of like your sign and that your baby is an angel. I think that's the perfect way to name a baby. So I love that. And I love that you said it out loud and that you shared it with us. Um, I know that's, it's a hard part of it. I think that naming them is, is hard, but then also saying their name out loud is difficult. It was definitely difficult the first couple of times that I said it out loud. And like I said, part of me thought that it it just felt silly more than sad, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And it, it made it even more challenging because, well, I mean, my husband's not very open about his emotions like most men are. So, of course, while I'm over here grieving, he's over here still playing video games or something. Yeah, it's different. Up until probably the last... I'll give him the last month or so. He finally started using her first name. Hmm. And I even told him as soon as he started saying it, I was like, I don't think you understand how much better I feel when with you, you just saying it. Yeah. Like that's, that's my biggest worry. My biggest worry is I have no problems opening up about my miscarriage. I'll tell people my story all day long until I'm blue in the face. Yeah. My fear is at one point it's not going to be talked about anymore. Therefore, my baby's not going to be talked about anymore. Therefore, the only one that's going to remember my baby, in in my opinion, it feels like it's just going to be me. And I don't, that scares me half to death. I don't like that feeling of people not thinking of my baby every day. Like, I know that that's mm-hmm. my duty, obviously, as the mother to think of that baby every day. But I want everybody else around me to know, like, hey, this happened to me. This is important. This is something you can openly talk to me about. I have no problems talking about it. I won't be weird as long as you're not weird about the whole thing. Like, it's just, I just want, I just want the baby to be remembered all the time. That's all I want. If somebody brings up the baby to me, I, you, 
immediately have your attention. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I get so excited and focused. And with having all of this knowledge now, my, my best friend, she just moved in. We live in a quadruplex. So there's four of us. She's on the other side of it. So she's only three doors down. She just found out a couple of weeks ago that she's pregnant. And pregnancy news doesn't really bother me. The only time it bothered me was probably about a week before my due date hit. That's the only time that was really a sensitive yeah. thing for me. I I don't know why. Like my triggers are they can be so they don't bizarre. Make sense. Yeah. They it's... really don't because something will trigger me one day, but if it's the same thing the next day, it won't. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. But um so this is her first child. And of course, I'm sitting here and I'm like, hopefully this doesn't happen to you because I don't want you to go through it. Cause she's also the one that came here whenever I had mine. Got it. So she knew what I went through. She just doesn't know, you know, all the, the gory details of it. And um, I told her, I was like, you know, things seem to be going pretty healthy right now. She tells me about all of her appointments. Like, she gives me everything. And I was like, if anything sticks out to me, like, sore thumb, I'm telling you about it. Get yourself prepared for this conversation. And then my other friend, she's getting ready to start trying to have kids. But her family has more of the infertility issues and all that fun stuff so she came over one day and i i took her away from the men and i was like listen we need to have a talk because i'm worried that out of all of my friends it see it seems more likely for it to happen to her and so i told her i was like obviously you know that it's not an easy thing and her mother's gone through it as well but her mother never went into full detail about it um so i told her exactly what happened i told her how traumatizing just the blood was how traumatizing the cramps can still be every so often i mean i had to go get an ultrasound done on my gallbladder a couple months back just because i was having some stomach issues and they put me in the same damn ultrasound room as my miscarriage so all i saw was blood everywhere when i went there and i told her about it and i was like that was the most triggering thing wasn't ready for that there was all these other ultrasound rooms open but it had to be that one right and my friend just starts bawling she looks at me she's like so sorry you had to go through that and i was like look Ugh. i i'm one of those people i would rather it happen to me so i can tell you about it rather than watching you go through it yeah right i like i'm a people person if you can't tell i love I... people <laughs> that's <laughs> not a bad trait at all that's a really good trait <laughs> but huh. it's, it's uh... not a good thing. and it's annoying trying to figure out what my triggers that day or that week or right. that month are gonna be drives me nuts I wish, and and usually, so whenever we have support groups, we always talk about triggers. And I feel like people are like, I don't know what I'm triggered by. But then the more that we have conversation, they're like, yeah, I have all of these reactions to these events. And they're not realizing that those are triggers because, you know, this doesn't come with a handbook. We're not told like, hey, by the way, you're really going to be triggered by X, Y, and Z. It's more like you hear other people's triggers and then it validates if you feel a certain way or um, you know, sometimes we have I, a story I always share is how, um, and I think it was in one of these podcast episodes is my friend, Steffi. She had to be, I think in episode seven, I could be totally wrong about that number. I think I am, but she shared that she was triggered by train, uh, railroad tracks because she drove over those railroad tracks uh, during her pregnancy. And that's when her bleeding started. So it, she knew that didn't cause her miscarriage, but she associated the railroad tracks with bleeding. And it's like, you don't get to pick these things. It's just unfortunately dependent on your journey and how your heart speeds up whenever things happen around you. And it's just so hard. Yeah. Unfortunately, I feel like 
what could have easily been long-term triggers for me had mm-hmm. to get nipped in the butt rather quick. We only yeah. have one bathroom in my place. It happened yep. in that bathroom. So the first few times I had to go, of course, I, I did not care for it whatsoever. I kind of right. just started sucking it up. But I've noticed that my triggers are starting to randomly pop up elsewhere because I had to close that door. Right. Like right. I said, the bleeding, the bleeding, it's like the most random months, too. It happened, obviously, the first time around. And I said, I had a full-on panic attack just sitting there as I'm bleeding everywhere. Yeah. And then last month, we even had a pregnancy scare right around my due date. And I say pregnancy scare, but let's be real here. I think part of me was trying to make up for the fact that I knew I was supposed to have a baby in my arms. So I was like, oh, sweet, cool. Let's do this. Yeah. And they're like, crap, I have PCOS that I'm not taking my medications for right now because I haven't gotten all of them back since I've had the miscarriage. And I was like, now everything's all messed up and discombobulated because, of course, mine's like the hormonal insulin resistant one where... I don't ovulate half the time and it makes it makes no sense to me, man. It's just yeah. I don't it's not it's not fun because we've had the discussion of having one more and last month especially I really fixated on that. Like I really wanted it and I knew it was because of the month that we were in. Now I'm right. like, I'm no, I'm like, you know what? When and if it happens is when it happens. I'm like, fingers crossed that I get my girl this time. If not, if I get another boy, I was just destined to be a boy mom. That's <laughs> fine. I love my boys to pieces. Love those two. Yeah. But I still just want, I want that daughter. I didn't yeah. meet my kids until they were five and six. So I didn't get to dress them up in the cute little dresses and the little bows and, you know, doing that lovely little spike on the top of their head <laughs> with a hair the length. And uh, I'm also kind of hoping my friend has a girl but at the same time i feel like that's gonna be a very triggering thing if she has a girl yeah and i didn't oh and other lovely fun fact my ex the one that he had the two daughters with she has a total of four kids now her due date was around the same time mine was she had three girls and then her boy i was supposed to have my two boys and my girl that was not fun that was not fun when she was like oh yeah we're going to the hospital to have her baby i'm sitting here and i'm like she's not I hate saying this, but she's not the greatest person. Mm. I feel like she does the the basics when it comes to being a mom. Yeah. And half the time she doesn't do that very well either. Granted, I feel like she's alone most of the time and that her partner doesn't really help her out much. But like, right. I can tell, I get my stepkids only on the weekends. And when they come over and they say that they feel the most safe under my roof, mm. it, it breaks my heart. And so yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, why does she get this chance when she doesn't even she doesn't do what all is necessary for those kids? But I I would do anything to get full custody of my stepdaughters if I could, and I lost mine. Yeah, like it's just one of those you see the people who shouldn't procreate that do successfully, and then you're sitting there like, well, why didn't this why didn't this happen for me? Like what? It's hard. It's hard not to have the why me thoughts and feelings. I think that's also, you know, it feels like a crappy feeling to have, but it's so many of us have it. I mean, it's, it's hard not to. Yeah, you're not wrong, but we are now at the lovely spot of praying to God that I can make it to have one more kid. That's that's the hope. Hopefully my PCOS wants to clear up, but I would probably have to go on birth control for another year again. 
but fingers crossed you don't and fingers crossed I know. that it happens it sucks it sucks not to know when when you ovulate and to have the pcos sucks totally it's sucks the dumbest thing it that happened to a woman in my opinion like it, it like what come on we already have to go through all of this stuff and then you're gonna throw pcos on me yeah and then on top of that i have to i have to get a hysterectomy at 30 i'm about yeah. to be 25 so like my, my window is already starting to close granted i didn't want to have kids after 30 i like being a younger parent yeah but like i already felt rushed as is and i started making my family at 19 yeah and i well i didn't even know i had pcos when i had my first son he was actually what triggered my pcos to be active enough for us to go ahead and finally get that diagnosed yeah. i had a really bad flare-up after i had him but there was signs leading up to it. I had cysts on my my lubricating gland. Mm. And I kept getting them every single month. And I had surgery twice on it. Um, second one, luckily, was successful. And I haven't had one since. But I went in one day. And it was probably the size of a golf ball. I had surgery eight hours later. That's how big it was. Like, I was in a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. Uh. And it was so inflamed that the surgery, obviously, wasn't successful. And then with my last cyst that I had there... She told me it was actually traveling up into my uterus. So at the age of 17, when all this started happening, I'm already starting to freak out. I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, if I'm going to get this in my uterus, then when I do start trying to have kids, I'm going to end up getting one and that's going to end up killing them. But like, I already had like some sort of fear. Yeah, something wrong is going to happen. I just never thought after I had my two boys that I'd still have something to worry about. Yeah. I think that's, you know, going along with the misconception of like how long miscarriage lasts. I think that's another one is like, just because you have living children doesn't mean that you're exempt from um, like secondary infertility or miscarriage. Like those things still happen. And I didn't know that until uh, adulting and learning from other people, you know, nobody talks about that. They just kind of tell you to wear a condom if you don't want to get pregnant and to how to put on a pad like that's the only education that we really get which is unfortunate oh, right it doesn't even make sense because i mean in all of your other in all of your other podcasts you always talk about like oh well, i didn't know that it had to be at a certain time during the month i, I didn't even realize that that's what happens here i know that there's all these different things that play a role in making the baby yeah let alone you know Growing it, nurturing it, <laughs> everything. Where's my Bringing it home? Yeah. Like it's it's all very complicated, and it's more complicated than we've ever been let on. I know. It's like, why wouldn't you take the time to like teach us that? If you want to scare us into not having sex as teenagers, <laughs> tell us the reality. Of it. Don't have sex, or else you'll die. Yeah, you'll get pregnant and die. Just tell us what it is. Like, tell us totally. that people have infertility issues. Tell us the actual like grouping of how many women go through miscarriage or PCOS, endometriosis, all of these different things. Because it's starting to seem like it's a much smaller percentage of people who have absolutely no issues. And then there's all of us over here who it's just one thing after another. And it's a huge snowball effect. And it's crazy. Like how did people back in like the 1800s, 1700s or whatever, how they have kids? Well, and there they have so many and they like, it was, I think, rare for families not to have babies that died, but they didn't have the care that we have now to know 
that a missed miscarriage has happened. So it sometimes would happen later and uh, it's, it's all horrible. I mean, it's so terrible. Um, Blows my mind how many issues women have reproductively now. In 2023. More yeah. about it now than anything else. But like, what yeah. do we do? Like, how are there still people walking yeah. around right now? That's really what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> I have had those same thoughts. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one because it blows my mind that we have so many issues nowadays as women. Yeah. No, mm. not the only one. Not the only one. Arizona, thank you so much for sharing your story. I feel like it's so helpful to hear, you know, I know that loss kind of looks similar on people, but I, I like the uniqueness of knowing um, about people's families. And I think that mixed families and having kids at home while you're having a miscarriage and then also, you know, having mixed families where the genders are different and, and all of that, the, all of those aspects, you know, play into our grief. Um, so I appreciate you sharing so openly. And appreciate you sharing Angel with us.